I keep wanting to call her Homer. Don't ask me why. You know, because I was telling Jeff, I'm going, I'm going to be teaching about uh, about uh, Homer. And he goes, the Greek Odyssey? <laughs> no, 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 Gomer. So now, you know, when I say Gomer, I'm thinking Gomer Pyle, you know. And it's like, okay. So, but this is, I wanted to lighten it a little bit there for you. Very moving. But you know what? We can all relate to that. And when I saw that, it's like, wow, that is the story. I mean, I I love the way he just kept fighting for her and fighting for her. And then, um, you know, kind of covered her up and set her back on her feet. And they continued dancing. You know, I'm going, oh, my goodness, that's just wonderful. So let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, what a, a, a moving video, Lord, of um, what an inspiration and uh, helping us to uh, really solidify in our hearts what this story is about, and we thank you for it. And so we just ask that you speak to us now as we go through this very um, moving story about Hosea and Gomer, and uh, we give you this time, ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the prophets are oftentimes asked by God to do unusual things. Um, For three years, Isaiah, he dressed like a prisoner of war and wandered through the streets, embarrassing everybody. God just, he wants to show examples. Um, For several months, Jeremiah carried a yoke on his shoulders. Again, just as an example, Ezekiel acted like a little boy and played war. You know, it's all to try to reach um, his people. And then when Ezekiel's wife suddenly dies, he even turns that into example. And that's what, you know, we as, as servants of the Lord High should actually look at all the difficulties in our lives. But... Um, why would God ask us to go through these things? And they really are acts of mercy. They're trying to get us to see what we are doing without having to, you know, put us on blast, as the kids say today. Um, God was trying to get them to see that what the Israelites were doing was actually, in a sense, being unfaithful, committing adultery with him. And um, I'm reminded of the story of David. You remember when he had sinned with Bathsheba, she was married. And he had just kind of hardened his heart to thinking that this was wrong. And the affair went on to the point that she became pregnant. And he goes, okay, now what do I do? And it eventually ends in the uh, death of her husband so that he would not be accused um, of this sin, or David would not be accused of this sin. And so he went about his time, and the, the prophet Samuel came to him and told him this story. He says, there was once a rich man, there was once a, a poor man, and the poor man only had one lamb. And the rich man had thousands of sheep. And this one lamb, the rich man, stole and slaughtered for his guests. And when Samuel had told David this story, David was incensed, saying, Who is this man? I will kill him. And that's when Samuel says, You are that man. And it wasn't until then that the light bulb went on and David said, 
I have sinned against God. And that's how God sometimes reaches us, isn't it? Sometimes he has to go through drastic measures, through stories, examples, whatever. But it really hit home, and, it, and David was able to repent. There were still consequences, but he was able to get his, his uh, life right with God. And so Hosea chapter 1, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Bari in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Now, these were very evil times. Um, most of these kings were evil, um, with the exception, I believe, of uh, Hezekiah. But Ahaz was actually the guy married to Jezebel. You remember the story. You know, she's infamous. Well, he was just as bad as his wife. But uh, there was murder, idolatry, immorality. They were just rampant in the nation of Israel. And on top of that, now God tells Hosea, as he's trying to live in this environment, he says, I want you to marry a woman, and she's going to be a harlot, and um, your children will be children of harlotry. And so verse 2, it says, When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take yourself a wife of, of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. And so poor Hosea is given this job, of finding a wife who's a prostitute. Um, no one, when you dream of, you know, when you're a child and you dream of your wedding day and all this kind of stuff, you don't think of somebody that is a, a prostitute. Now, there are people who are reformed, you know, that we're not talking about that. This is somebody who is actively in prostitution. He's supposed to take her and he's supposed to make her his wife. And so I can imagine he's going, uh, you sure, Lord? Uh, you know, I'm a great servant of yours. You really want me to do this? And God was very firm. This is what I want you to do. I want to give an example of what the children of Israel are doing to me. They are being unfaithful to me. And um, we see this as a constant character flaw in the children of Israel. I'm reminded, if you've ever read Judges, what does it say? And so-and-so became king, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then after a few years, he died. And then his son reigned, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And every once in a while, there was one guy in there that was actually good, and the nation thrived. But they were during one of these times where they were doing evil in the sight of the Lord, and um, the world draws them away. And just like our video, what happens? You know, the world draws you away. You become involved in the things that God's telling you not to do, and then you find out that they're not what you were seeking. You know, just like uh, alcohol never is the answer, and eventually the alcohol turns us back on you. Um, uh, the boyfriend in that video turned his back on her. You know, the fashion turned her back, turned their back on her. You know, until the point that she was desperate and she wanted to kill herself. And so this is very similar to what the children of Israel are doing. And so now we have poor Hosea. God is going to use his life as an example of what people are doing. So, Homer, excuse me. <laughs> Hosea takes the, I'm just going to, together, they're Homer. That's probably where my brain's going. So, <laughs> so. Hosea takes Gomer, gives her a home, gives her stability, 
gives her love and honor, makes an honorable woman of her, a wife. And then she bears Hosea a son. And so God is going to use the three kids to kind of tell the nation of Israel what he's doing and why he's doing it, just as further examples. And so child number one, verse three. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblain, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jerzeel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So this sounds very confusing. What is he talking about? Well, Jezreel, as we found out in our study, means God sows or God scatters. In this case, he's going to say God scatters. He's going to kind of start scattering the children of Israel. And the story goes back to um, when Jezreel is a city in the tribe of, Is I can never say these words, so I apologize, Ishashar, and is associated with um, the drastic judgment that Jehu had executed upon the family of Ahab. You remember Ahab was evil. His kids were evil. His wife was evil. But not everybody was evil. But Jehu, in his zealousness, he went in and he killed everybody. I mean... All generations, all cousins, every family member he slaughtered. God said, uh-uh-uh, I didn't tell you to do that. I told you to get rid of Ahaz and Jezebel. Not the whole family. What were you thinking? And so God really takes seriously when we misrepresent him. If we go out and God says, I want you to do this, and you think, well, you know, more is better. So I'm going to, you know, not only do this, but I'm going to do all this too. You know, because this has got to be God's will. No, we need to stick to what God has told us to do. And so God is saying, because you have done this, I am going to wipe your family out. And he does. And so during this time, Gomer's going, I'm not sure I'm liking this married life. You know, being a harlot was, you know, it had its perch. You know, I got lots of presents from these men. And, you know, I mean, we think of prostitution as something that is very... um, seedy, you know, but it's not always that way. I kind of thought of of Gomer as being what we would call a high-priced escort, someone who, um, you know, had a lot of perks in the business, so to speak. And so she's struggling and she's desiring to go back. And eventually she leaves Hosea. She goes back to her lifestyle. And there she is, um, uh, pregnant with child number two. Speculation is it wasn't her hers and she conceived again what's that what did I say oh sorry was it yes thank you for that correction yeah how can it not be hers um she bore him (laughs) you know they they had the you know the anyway (laughs) I'm just gonna let it go (laughs) this is call anyway says and she conceived again and bore a daughter Then God said to him, Call her name Lo-Rahama, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God. And I will not save them by bow, nor by sword or battle, by horses or horsemen. And the second daughter, 
Her name means unpitied or not loved. Now, that could have been because um, it was not his. Who knows? I mean, I don't know how a guy would feel if his wife came home pregnant um, and he had had relations with her for, you know, a year or so. I mean, you can imagine what that would feel like. And so um, God loved his people and proved it in many ways. But now he would kind of withdraw that love. That's what he's saying. And no longer show them mercy because they just kept being the unfaithful wife. They kept um, going to idols. They kept doing things that were against his word. And so um, the expression of God's love is certainly unconditional. But our enjoyment of that love is conditional and depends on our faith and our obedience, does it not? So we cannot feel his love if we're in sin. We don't recognize it. We see as, you know, why is God doing this to me? Well, you're in disobedience. That's why. He loves you, therefore he must discipline. I kind of look at this as being a mom. You know, when my kids would do something bad, was it loving to let them get away with it? No, it wasn't. That was not looking out for their best. And so because we love our kids, we discipline them. Same thing here with God. Because he loves us, he's saying, I have got to turn you the other direction. You cannot keep going this way because this way only leads to despair, heartache, and death. And so he is desperate, and that is why he is doing this. And so now Gomer has child number three. And now when she had weaned Lo Ruhamah, she conceived and bore a son. Then God said, call his name Lo Amini, for you are not my people. And remember, it's not because of him. It's because they have pulled away. It says, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There it shall be said to them, You are sons of the living God. So he's obviously talking about future here. There is a time um, in, in Israel's future where they will be reconciled to their Lord. And so he is talking about that time. Obviously it is not this particular time. Of course God will always bless them. If they turn to him, then he blesses them. When they turn away and follow after idols and, um, and idolatry, then he, he has to turn his back on them saying, okay, if that's what you want, that's what I'll give you. And so the children of Israel and the ch- of Judah and the children of Israel shall gather together and appoint for themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. He's talking again about their future. So the third child, the son, his name means not my people. Not only would God remove his mercy from his people, but he would also renounce the covenant he had made with them. Only because they're the ones that have broken it. Um, It would be very much like a man divorcing his wife and turning his back on her. Now, because of Gomer's sin, Hosea had every right to do that, even by God's law, because she had committed adultery. He was able to divorce her. But he chose to try to redeem her, to bring her back. And so um, this is where the grace of God comes in for, I love this, God will change their names of the children. And um, not my people will become my people. 
He changes the kids' names. The unloved will become the loved one. And instead of Jezreel uh, being the place of slaughter and judgment and scattering, he will sow them so that they become um, rich again in him. And so uh, these, nas- these names reflect the nation's new relationship to God. And I love that because he's all about hope, isn't he? He wants to give us a future and a hope. And so let's look at Gomer. Hosea had great love for his wife. You know, you can't help, you know, when you, um, I've actually seen this lived out in today's. I know of somebody who keeps taking his wife back. She is just, she's a mess, but when she comes back, he goes, okay. And then she goes off again into her, her bad lifestyle. And I've seen this happen. And it's because he loves her. He doesn't want to see her destroying her life. And so his wife and the children of Israel were in a really bad way. I mean, they kept seeking after the things of the world. And um, in a sense, they were both harlots. They were both unfaithful to the one that loves them. And they have both sinned greatly. Um, that sin does not hinder his love for his wife. Hosea still loves Gomer. And our sin does not hinder God's love for us either. Although he cannot look upon us, all we have to do is repent and everything is better. You know, just like our video, you know, he brushed her off, he covered her with his coat, he put her back on her feet, you know, all was restored and they were able to um, be as they were. That's the glorious thing about our Lord, isn't it? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. Nothing is unforgivable except, of course, rejecting him. So, And that's, that's the only thing that we can do to hinder that. And so, um, unlike a lot of teachers, uh, he doesn't, Gomer does not, Hosea doesn't, um, minimize the holiness of God. He just, he understands it. And he goes, okay, I am willing to be used in this manner. And we're told that God is love, but we're also reminded that God is light and in him there is no darkness. That is why he cannot commune with us. When we are in sinful lifestyles, he cannot commune with us. We have broken that connection, haven't we? It's nothing that he has done. Um, But the prophet focuses on three particular sins of his wife, Gomer, and the children of Israel. And those are idolatry, which is also called spiritual adultery. I've um, I remember having a conversation with you, Rhonda, because your family, your parents are Mormon, and they accused her of spiritual adultery. And I'm going, I have never heard of such a thing. But you know what? That's exactly what Israel did. They turned away from their God, and they were worshiping idols. So um, they have themselves committed adultery. They were in, ungrateful, so they had the sin of ingratitude, and they were hypocrites. So... Hosea chapter 2, verse 1. Say to your brethren, my people, and to your sister, mercy is shown. Bring charges against your mother. Bring charges. For she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. But let her put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness. I set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. I will not have mercy on her children, for they are children of harlotry. For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved 
shamefully. So remember, he is talking about Israel. He's talking about Gomer, but he's also talking about Israel. This is how God feels towards his people right now. And so um, the, the children of Israel, by this time, they're worshiping every idol they can possibly come up with. And God is pronouncing judgment on them. And since they're acting like prostitutes, God would treat them like prostitutes, and he would shame them publicly. God would no longer claim the nation as his wife because she has broken the solemn marriage. She has broken the covenant and consorted with idols. Um, according to the Hebrews law, Hebrew law, adultery was a capital crime. And we saw this played out in, uh, uh, this, in all the Gospels when the, the adulteress was brought before Jesus and they wanted to stone her. You remember that scene? That's because they had every right to. That was actually according to Levitical law. If somebody was caught in adultery, didn't matter if you were the husband or the wife, you could be stoned. Oftentimes, it was the wife that was stoned because, you know, they were very chauvinistic back there, uh, back then. But um, anyway, um, a faithful t- unfaithfulness to the Lord is also a very serious sin, just as unfaithfulness to one's mate is very serious. Um, it just tears down the whole family unit. Um, if you've ever heard of it or been involved in such a sin, you know the destruction that it causes, the pain, the, the difficulties for the children, you know, everything involved. It is just very, very painful. And so um, it's once, I, I once heard that a man who says he's 90% faithful to his wife isn't faithful at all, is he? So where does that put us? If we're unfaithful to the Lord, are we? <laughs> if we're unfaithful only 10% of the time, yeah. Now, I'm only bringing that out just to know how truly pitiful we are. And God keeps saying, you know what? All you have to do is say you're sorry, and I take you back. All you have to do is repent. What does repent mean? Ask forgiveness and turn away. Repentance isn't saying, Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. And then you do it the very thing the next day and knew that you were going to do the very thing the next day. You know, we see that oftentimes in confession in the Catholic Church. They will confess one day and do it again on the next, you know, thinking that they've been absolved from all of this sin. Well, that's not the case. True repentance is what God requires, and that is turning away and not, you know, doing whatever you can not to do it. Do we blow it? Absolutely. We blow it all the time. If we didn't blow it all the time, we wouldn't need a Redeemer. So God understands we're human, but true repentance means you hate the sin. Oftentimes people say, I just can't seem to stop sinning. I don't know why I can't stop drinking. I don't know why I can't stop doing this. And, you know, sometimes I'll just look at them. You know, my heart's heavy because I see the torment that they're going through. And I'll say, you don't hate it. If you hate the sin... That is the first step to having freedom from that sin. It really is. You have to hate it until that point. And oftentimes we have to see the destruction around us. We have to see the destruction of our family, ourselves, everything, before we'll go, okay, I get it. I get it. It is really, really bad, and I do hate it. And at that point, God says, okay, now I can work with you. I know you're going to blow it. We all blow it. Well, God doesn't blow it, but we all blow it. And God says, you know, we'll work through that, but you still have to hate it. So, the next sin that Israel was committing, and Gomer, 
was ingratitude. Homer, excuse me, Hosea, we have Homer and Gomer. Um, Hosea, see, I, I, I told you I was going to do this because, you know, I love to talk about my studies with Jeff and stuff. And he, I can't tell you how many times he corrected me. It's Hosea and Gomer, not Homer. It's like, okay, but you know what? Once you get it in your head, you know, oh, my goodness. So, anyway. Yes, yes. For the rest of the day, your, your jobs are to make me feel better and call Gomer Homer, okay? There you go. So, <laughs> anyway, ingratitude. Hosea 2.5, the second half of 2.5 said, For she said, I will go after my lovers, who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in, so that she cannot find her paths. She will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them and not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, and that it is better for me than now. You see what's happening here? She was finally recognizing, okay, all these other things. And that's what makes me tell, uh, think that she was one of the higher class harlots here, because she wouldn't have been given all these things from her lovers, you know. Um, they were supporting her. You know, we can reckon it to, uh, in today's terms, <clears throat> she was giving a fancy car. She was given nice clothes and jewelry and a nice place to live, kind of that kind of thing. And that's what she kept going back to. She liked that life. She didn't hate it yet. And so, for she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold. All these things came from God. All of Israel's blessings came from God, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore, I will return and take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its season, and I will take back my wool and my linen given to cover her nakedness. So instead of thanks to the one true God for all these blessings, they were attributing it to their false gods. That's what they were saying. Okay, um, you know, our, our, our luscious crops and the water, you know, came from Baal, the, the God of rain, instead of giving recognition to God, saying, thank you, Lord. What a blessing for this rain. Instead, they were praying to God. And I'm going, what were they thinking? But you know what? We do the same thing, don't we? So don't be harsh on the children of Israel. We are just like them, just like them. So God had every right to abandon or even destroy his people, but instead he decided to discipline them, just like a parent to a child. You're not going to kill your child because they're disobedient, right? I mean, not any normal parent. (laughs) Instead, you want to correct the behavior. That is what God is desiring to do. So, not giving thanks and acknowledging him, we are being unthankful um, I love what Romans one twenty one says. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, if this isn't what today's people are like, I don't know what it is. It says, but became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men. 
and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Isn't that what we do? So, just um, it's important that we recognize who has given us all of our blessings. And that is our Lord. He loves to give us good things. And you know, it may not be everything that we want. I am so glad I have not given everything that I wanted because those things were not good for me. And I recognize that now. And I'm so thankful that, that he gives me what he knows I need. And it really comes down, do you trust him to do everything for you because he loves you? And that's such an important part of our Christian walk. And then next he talks about hypocrisy. And that is verse 10 in chapter 2. He says, Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall deliver her from my hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, all her appointed feasts, you know, all the things that they would do. They like to party. And God said, you know, I want you to celebrate the Passover. I want you to celebrate all these other Jewish holidays, you know, because he wants them to remember him. But instead, they were celebrating all these Jewish, Jewish festivals as an excuse to party hardy, you know, instead of recognizing him. It says, and I will destroy their vines and her fig trees, of which she has said, these are my wages that my lovers have given me. So I will make them a forest, and the beast of the field shall eat them. I will punish her for the days of the Baals to which she burned incense. She decked herself with earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but me she forgot says the Lord. Isn't that sad? He is giving everything to them. And we find out, of course, later, he does give everything, even himself to them, to redeem them. It's an amazing concept. Um, But the people here, they were kind of playing church. Uh, They were still celebrating the the festivals and the holy days, but their hearts, they they were worshipping other gods. Uh, Much like celebrating Christmas. You know, I kind of, because we just came from Christmas, you know, and I, I witnessed, you know, watching commercials. It's like, who gives people a Lexus as a Christmas present? I mean, really? You know, but they made, they, but it works, doesn't it? Oh, I would love to see a beautiful silver Lexus in the driveway with a big red bow, you know? I, you know, and after a while you go, oh, yeah, yeah. And there's one particular commercial that really, really annoys me. And... um I forgot even, I think it's a a Honda or something like that. But anyway, it shows kids playing with toys and how they were awed by this really cool um, uh, store window that had this train and everything. And then it shows all the parents going like this, you know, starry-eyed in another window where they have a car and these people dancing. You know which one I'm talking about? I find that I'm going, oh, my goodness, isn't that exactly the way we are? I mean, that was kind of ridiculous. I mean, in my heart, I'm going, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But you know what? People really do that. They look, oh, I have to have that. Ooh, shinies, you know. And so that's what the people of Israel are doing. They're looking at all these little shiny things, the fancy stuff. And in the meantime, they're going, oh, let's celebrate the birth of Christ. You know, we'll make it, we'll kind of candy coat my, my, uh, covetousness with, you know, the pretense of celebrating the, the birth of our Lord and, Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus. And so it's like, are you kidding me? That's exactly what we do. This is what the Israelites are doing. So 
God is holy and not, will, will not permit his people to enjoy sin for very long. Isn't that true? The most miserable person is a Christian who is backslidden because they were no longer good sinners. They don't enjoy sin like they used to because they have now seen the light. They know what God expects of them. And so they are so miserable. Oftentimes, so those of you who know backslidden Christians, just know this. They are really, the fact that they are unhappy and maybe, you know, have outbursts of anger, this is actually a good thing because they know in their heart they're doing bad. It's when they're suddenly comfortable in their sin that you need to worry. And that's how I look at it. It's like, okay, I like the fact that you're just flying off the handle because you know you're wrong. It's true. It is. They just, you know, and sometimes they'll completely go swing the other way and you're going, oh my goodness, was this person ever saved? And it does go through your heart, you know, and it does fill you with panic because you fear for them. You fear for their lives. And yet, it's not necessarily a bad thing. So what you do is you just continue to be that light. And even if they have outbursts upon you, I'm kind of going through um, that myself right now with a, a loved loved one. Um, I know in my heart it's because that person knows they're going in the wrong direction and they won't admit it and they're just in your face. It's interesting, but um, tragic at the same time. So... Now let's look at Hosea, and I love the fact that he kept taking his, his uh, wayward wife back. Um, the three children have taught us about the grace of God and how he tries to restore. His whole point is restoring relationships to him. And um, now Hosea will teach us about the love of God. Hosea's love was so strong that even the most vile of behavior, he was forgiving. And that's got to be very difficult. So Gomer broke his heart, no doubt. I mean, I, it, it would have hurt tremendously. But she made it possible for him to give the world a picture of God's divine love for us. That he would forgive and take us back no matter what. So verse 14 says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her. In other words, he is going to, God is going to court her. Hosea is now going to court Gomer to try to bring her back. He doesn't want to just go and grab her from the streets and say, you're coming with me and draw her back into the house. Because you know why? First chance she gets, she's leaving, isn't she? God wants to court you again. He wants to draw you on your own volition to him so that you can um, be restored says, and speak comfort to her. I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall, she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. Isn't that wonderful? God doesn't want to be your master. He wants you to be his wife. He wants you to be his bride. For I will take from her mouth the names of the Baals, and they shall be remembered by their name no more. And that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the fields, with the birds of the air, and with the creeping things of the ground. 
bow and sword of battle I will scatter from the earth and make them lie down safely. Isn't he talking about the new Jerusalem? I love that. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord and it shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth. The earth shall answer with grain, with new wine and with oil. They shall answer Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. Isn't that wonderful? It's like, ah, makes my, takes my breath away. God states many I wills here in this segment of scripture. These I wills are the future of the Hebrew and Christians alike. I believe that we're talking about the end times and um, when Jesus comes back and restores everything. Right now, that is not the case. You know, our world is getting worse and worse and worse. But someday, Jesus will come back and he will allure. God never forces people to follow him. He draws you to him by his love, doesn't he? So those of you who feel like you need to scream and yell, you know, I'm uh, reminded of those that sit on the street corners and say, you know, you're going to hell type thing. Does that really draw people to the Lord? It doesn't, does it? And so God draws us by his love. That's how I came to him. It was because he loved me. That's what drew me. Not somebody angry and yelling in my face. So God draws you to him with love. He says, I will give. As long as we obey him, he gives us everything we need. Now, the big difference between needs and wants. So don't think that God's ignoring you just because you didn't get what you want. (laughs) That's a lesson for me, too, by the way. (laughs) I will take away. God declares an end to idolatry. He will take away those temptations. I love this, I will. I think that that, that is amazing. No longer will he have to compete for our affection. Don't you love that? (sighs) Ah. I'm no longer a sinner. Yay. Of course, we're talking about when we're in heaven. So he says, I will betroth a covenant that will never end, just like a marriage covenant. He will be our husband forever. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I will respond. The perfect prayer language. I will respond. No longer will our, our prayers be hindered by him. And he says, and I will plant. He says, I will cause the nations to grow again and flourish. And then he ends up, he ends this segment in Hosea 3. Then the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So, I mean, they were selling themselves for food. And I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of See, that's where, they're homers, woohoo, a barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So, too, I will be towards you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. 
Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So poor Hosea had to buy Gomer back. What is um, what they're talking about here is she had she was no longer living the good life. Um, years are passing, and that's one of the the problems with depending on your looks or your skills because you don't always have them, do you? And so she probably Gomer was probably very beautiful when she was young, hence that's why she was so successful in her her trade, and now she was no longer. And so, where did she end up? She was on the, the, the bargaining block. She was being sold as a slave. And Hosea bought her back from her slavery. Isn't that what Jesus does for us? He buys us back. And so, um, it's just a wonderful example of redemption. So, in wrapping up, God is so gracious. No matter um, what beginning or end we have, he transforms us and blesses us if we turn to him. He will change you. And he doesn't stop changing us until the day we go home to be with him. That is the wonderful prom- promise that we have in him. Um, it can take years to fall away, but it only takes a moment to turn back to him and all is restored. Isn't that a wonderful promise? It's like, who do you know would ever do that for you? I mean, think about it. If you were living just, I mean, let's put your, yourself into Hosea's shoes. What if a, you had a husband that just was constantly unfaithful and made no bones about it? He was just going to go off and be the harlot. I mean, who of us would actually accept that? If we're talking years here, I mean, remember, there's three kids later and she's still doing this. And then she goes off and... And she, you know, becomes a slave. I mean, think about it. But I would, I don't know if I could do something like that. I mean, no matter how much I loved him. But God said, I love you regardless. Please come back. And I will keep forgiving you. And I'll keep restoring you. And it's just, um, you know, that wonderful promise. Okay, I'm going to. Revise it slightly. If any woman be in Christ, she is a new creation. All things have passed away. All the old junk has passed away. So no matter what we've done or where we have been, it will pass away. God will remember it no more. Then the peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome story. It's, it's kind of mind-blowing that you love us, love us so much. And as we uh, depart now and get into our groups and discuss this further, Lord, I just ask you to speak to each one of our hearts that we can further understand this amazing love that you have for us, no matter what we do, where we've been. Lord, we're all capable of just horrendous sin, and yet you love us still. And so we thank you, Lord. We praise you. And we ask um, that you bless the rest of this day. Help us to meditate upon your love for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.